This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Stand up, all victims of oppression, for the tyrants fear your might. Don't cling so hard to your possessions, for you have nothing if you have no rights. Let racist ignorance be ended, for respect makes the empires fall. Freedom is merely driven. And good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bosque Users Group radio program coming to you from 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne. And today... We have a May Day special, and uh, no, we got a, uh, that was Billy Bragg, the international I played uh, as intro. So, um, welcome to today's show. And uh, to, on today's show, what I'm going to be doing is playing a redux of the Asher Wolf interview I did earlier this month, I believe on the 11th of April, about the food delivery workers. And if I haven't introed myself yet, my name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a show about bicycles and related transport issues from Melbourne, Australia. And we're talking about today, as I said, about food delivery workers on bicycles. And that was an interview with Asher Wolf, an independent journalist. And also I have a bit of news about, well, going back to a bit of history to do with cycling in Australia and riding to work you know, workers orientated stuff. Shearer's bicycles. If you think bike packing is a new thing or putting frame bags on your bike is a new thing, have a look at Shearer's bikes. I've got a bit more about that coming up soon. And also factory that used to exist in Melbourne, a well-known confectionery uh, factory that used to take up several blocks of Fitzroy, Mac Robertson's. Or mad, dead, keen cyclist was in charge of that. And he used to uh, have uh, a cycling school and he used to get uh, uh, workers riding to work. I've got a little bit more about that in a, in a moment. So, or I should say today's really special uh, May Day broadcast. Um, after the show today, again, there's going to be Renegade Economists at 10.30, Doors Wide Open Report. Carl Fitzgerald presents a discussion on the momentum towards transparency in government and business with guest Mark Zimsack. And then we have regular programming again, starts up at 11am with Black Block. So, without further ado... I'm going to get into the interview with Asher and then I'll tell you a bit more about Shearer's Bikes and Mac Robertson's factory.
Listen up. You're tuned to 855 Community Radio 3CR for May Day. Today we're celebrating as workers everywhere remember the proud past and push ahead to build a strong future. Keep tuned to 3CR and supporting May Day. Benefits and rights that you might take for granted. Unions are the voice and silent we'd be stranded. You should be treated fairly, stand up and demand it. Who will represent me when I'm... This is a public service announcement. With Today on Yarrabaskal Users Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR, I'm speaking to Asha Wolf about an article she wrote on Medium.com to do with food delivery workers and the conditions they work under. Asha, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks for having me. I'm Asha Wolf. I'm a freelance journalist. They're published in The Guardian, Gizmodo, The Register, Mianjin, um, oh, Overland. <laughs> And yes, I, I'm a freelance journalist and I have recently spoken to a group of food delivery workers who ride bicycles and it was quite fascinating. Yeah, because um, it's something that we've seen start in the inner suburbs uh, last couple of years, but a lot of people really don't know what um, the conditions these people work under and you may have seen them tearing around and you have concerns, but you, you've actually gone and spoken to quite a few of these riders and... The conditions are just something else. Look, it was pretty shocking, to be honest. I've read a lot of media articles which really hawked the idea that this is a fabulous gig economy and, you know, people can be their own bosses and and that it's making service easier for people. But what I was driving past was often people lugging huge cases on the back of sort of very rickety put-together outfits with their bikes. I was driving past guys sitting outside a local town hall or a library and they looked exhausted in the middle of winter. And finally, I just thought, no, I need to go and find out what their story is and speak to them. And that was really an eye-opener. Yeah, because most people would not come into contact with this because people are students. I can remember one incident years ago. I um, had a long talk with a taxi driver who'd been stuffed over on a was it a four, a four five seven, mm-hmm. and um, he'd ended up with a phenomenal amount of debt and uh, just barely trying to cling on to his uh, taxi license or and or I shouldn't say license and or the gig the job he had at the time. And it really makes you think about the so-called service industries and the vulnerable people that work within them. Right. So a lot of these people who are working in the food delivery service as cyclists are foreign students. They're not aware of their rights. They've been placed on on sole contracts, so they're individual contractors, and they're being offered eight fifty something, nine dollars, nine dollars fifty, ten dollars per delivery. When they started, some of them years ago have stated that uh, they were on hourly contracts, which they found a lot more fair, but now they're on these uh, per-delivery contracts, they find it very hard to meet the requirements and make a decent wage. And speaking to them, it sounded like exploitation. Guys were getting hurt with serious injuries and then just not having any cover. Like, 
They do have insurance, but the insurance doesn't cover physio, they told me. They don't have backup. They don't have pay when they're off sick. Basically, their life rests on riding as fast as they can and staying healthy and crossing their fingers that they don't have an accident. Yeah, because I remember when I saw the article that you put on um, medium.com, uh, the, one of the photos, it looked like a partial degloving injury on this on this poor man's hand. Yep, so they were telling me about injuries that involved their friends breaking both hands. Uh, in that case, it looked as though he'd come off the bike and taken off part of his hand, basically. And it's just horrid. Uh, one of the guys showed me scars on his hands from falling off the bike. Another guy told me about spraining his leg and not being able to work for a month. Um, and all of them said, look, when we don't work, we don't have money. You know, we rely on our friends and on our families. And not all of them have families that are aware that they're riding bikes to make a living. A lot of them have said things like, oh, we're working in call centres or we've got different jobs so that their families don't worry about them. Oh, that's the thing. People would be familiar with you know, bicycle careers. This is something else entirely. I mean, the bicycle career industry has kind of shrunken a bit due to you know the internet, but it's still existent. I know people who actually work doing you know, like similar to last mile logistics, and we've had people who do that, that small freight delivery stuff on the show. But they're covered under contracts, and you know they do have wages and conditions. These people virtually have nothing, and. It's the employees or the subcontractors or whoever's doing this food delivery stuff, I don't know if we can name names or not, are taking advantage of the, of the situation these people are in. Yeah, and look, that's how it felt. It felt very much like they've been tricked to some degree into taking contracts that essentially uh, are dis- disadvantageous to their own position where they end up working huge numbers of hours, not making very much at all, and taking huge personal risks. And I just couldn't sit back and watch that happening um, any longer because they're people. Exactly. (laughs) And the the young people wanting to, you know, get qualifications here in Australia or quite a few of them are professionals back in their countries, uh, dentists, engineers, doctors who are learning English, trying to gain higher education. Quite a a few of them were doing masters. And in the meantime, they're taking these risks that, honestly, I don't know how we can sit easy after ordering dinner to our doorsteps knowing that we're putting people's lives at risk. Y'all know y'all know how to kick it out. Because uh, as we know, the saying is, if we don't fight, we lose. If we don't fight, we lose. Whether we're talking about union issues, whether we're talking about civil and political rights issues, if we don't stand, if we don't fight, then we lose. And that's what it's about. 3CR, kicking against the pricks since 1976. And I guess I'll call. Now, baby. 
Yes, indeed. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR, and this is Yarra Bosco Users Group Radio. And today I'm playing a uh, redux of the interview I did with Asher Wolf about food delivery workers and how we've got to defend working conditions against the erosion of so-called disruption in the workplace. And I'll just go into the second part of the interview. Some of the stories that you've heard, you know, we had a young man who's terrible injuries to his hand and people have had tendons, bones, or soft tissue injuries, this sort of thing. In the article, you're saying a lot of them don't want to be named. They're in such a you know, vulnerable situation that this is the—is this—is this the only work they can get, or are they being actively exploited? I mean, I keep coming back to this. Should—is there any kind of state or federal legislation that can protect these people? There is legislation if they are considered an employee. Now, the question then is: Well, first of all, do these people know how to? vocalise that they are employees because they work a certain number of hours or are they being contracted in such a way that they don't work enough hours to be considered employees which would then explain why there is a large number of people sitting around waiting for jobs but not getting jobs because that way it can be stated that they're not working the adequate number of hours to be considered employees. Um, So I think to some degree some of the, the information that we're finding is that the language which these companies use to describe their relationship with these workers tries to couch the relationship in such a way that it makes the workers sound as if they're contractors, not employees, so that the companies aren't liable for anything that happens to them in any way whatsoever. It sounds like that great uh, wasteland, which is referred to in Australia's industrial relations, and quite a few politicians got their start in this uh, field. I could go off, I could riff off on this on a bit of an angle, but I won't right now. <laughs> but so, in your article that you've you've written, so, some of these workers or writers have mentioned about getting organised, and and we're in a bit of an interesting position. What can people do to assist? Is it something like transport unions? What can be done about these conditions? Because, to, yeah, to put it bluntly, in you know, your article's title uses the word Dickensian, and this is this is what these people are working under. Mm, yeah, they are Dickensian situations that are occurring, and I think the thing that needs to happen is the next great industrial revolution, where we say just because we're we're digitised and we're having a gig economy online, we still need to protect workers' rights. So we need to start looking at things like unions. And that means perhaps unions recognising that to protect existing users' rights or existing members' rights, they also need to help new workers in the new gig economy protect their own rights as well because otherwise new industries will exploit loopholes and exploit contracts to undermine old existing industries when it comes to bike transport as well, I believe. Yeah, so it's it's kind of... I'm just trying to think of the words here of we need to disrupt this disruption uh, and, and, and utilise human rights, basic human rights, back into industrial relations. I mean, I've seen things yep. in the inner suburbs which beggars belief. And because these people are isolated, because they're students, they may not know certain things about you know how to ride around the suburbs, and I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of condescending crap here, but 
it deeply concerns me. And it also is another thing of how can someone like myself, you know, bridge that divide between, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm an experienced inner city cyclist, but I'm seeing these young students on, you know, really badly um, maintained bikes. They're working under terrible conditions when the rest of us don't have to contend with this. So it's almost like there's a blatant form of, well, I'm going to say the word racism, involved with the, this sort of work. Right. They're getting and away with it because they can. Yep, and these guys notice that young Australians aren't really tending to come into these jobs as much as they are. They know they're being exploited, but they also are really scared of standing up and fighting back because they think if they complain, well, they know that their friends who have complained have had their shift hours cut right down. And I think that the way to disrupt this disruptive industry that's actually a form of exploitation to some degree is to work with the people who make money off it. Um, And the way to do that is these guys find that their bike shop actually cares for them more than their office that employs them or gives them their contract. I would be looking at finding ways to put flyers in bike shops for unions for these guys to get in contact with because guys who are earning more money as couriers will then have more money to spend on their bikes in bike shops as well. And I think that could be a really great rallying point that they know that if they walk into a bike shop, there will be a flyer somewhere there that will point them towards a union that will help them protect their rights, help them have bikes that are safe, help them look after themselves, help them fight to have decent pay and conditions. Yarra Council is seeking feedback from the Yarra community on the following draft documents. Council plan, annual budget, long-term financial strategy and our proposed waste service charge. All submissions must be received by 5pm on Thursday the 4th of May. To learn more about the draft documents and how to make a submission, visit yoursayyarra.com.au or contact us at info at yarracity.vic.gov.au or phone 92055555. Yarra Council is a 3CR supporter. You are indeed listening to 3CR and this is a May Day special. And... Um, Going to the final part of an interview I did with Asher Wolf to do with food delivery workers um, on bicycles and the deregulated industry. Okay, here we go. These are your rights. Oh, your rights. These are your rights. Well, they should be coming under a proper award as much as uh, people, you know, again, I'm going to use the term industrial relations, love to disrupt this stuff. If it gets into harm, injury and or death, we must ensure that bottom line, that people go to work and they return from work safely and uninjured. And regardless of whether they use a bicycle or not, that is the bottom line. I think quite often the way that these companies are presented in the media is, oh, you've got a bit of free time on your hands, go and take a friendly little bike ride. It's not a friendly little bike ride. These guys are at a peak hour when people are ordering meals in the evening when people don't want to leave their houses and they're battling traffic and they're on bikes that we don't know what the condition is that their bikes are on. They're 
riding as fast as they can because the quicker you get a delivery done, the quicker you can get a, net, a new delivery. They're risking life and limb to bring food to people's doors and we can't allow that to be a, a, a standard that we, we accept in our society. Exactly. And again, get, harking back to your article, the disrespect and abuse that uh, some of these uh, workers get from, you know, when they get the to where they're delivering their food and or along the way, you know, there's some stuff in there which is just, in, in this article, it's just mind-blowing, you know, and us as privileged people don't face this stuff, do we? Right. So just sitting out and waiting for the next delivery, these guys are facing abuse from drunks in the street, from people who are, you know, out for their Saturday night party on Chapel Street or wherever else. They're finding that people will come up and hassle them for money or for cigarettes or will jump on the back of their bike or will rummage through their food bag on the back of the bike. And they're finding that quite distressing. And there's nobody out there that is that is helping. Like if you were in a, in a normal workplace, you would be sent to a workplace counsellor after a traumatic incident. But nobody is um, providing these services for these guys because they're not unionised. Mm. So um, harking back again to some stuff that we've covered... How can people help? Um, I'm thinking of one circumstance they can contact trade union ACTU or the tra- uh, transport union and give them concerns. That would be great. How about um, next time if people are using one of these services, they actually talk to the worker and ask them, are they okay or, you know, anything, you know, oh, insert words here. But, yeah, they're human. Speak to them. Mm. Yep, I think... A lot of this has to come from unions really yeah, getting okay. out there and putting up campaigns so that people who are getting into the industry know that they shouldn't accept contracts that are exploitative. Um, and I think that's really the issue is that people mm, come in mm. and they take whatever they can because they're you know, ecstatic to get any work at all. But uh, a job that exploits you, that, that risks your life, isn't a job worth having. Mm. And, and people need to be aware of that. So, in conclusion, to help these people is, is contact your trade unions. What about your local uh, politician? Is there, do you see any value in that? Yep, absolutely. I definitely direct people to contact their local MPs. They will definitely try and support the rights of people at work, I hope. But I would definitely direct people towards Trades Hall as well yep. um, and towards their unions, both local residents and riders should use their unions as their first point of contact Mm -hmm. to protect their rights at work. Because I just can't see... It's the whole thing of getting back to the term disruption. It's for, you know, maximum benefit for minimum payment for services given. And it's just utterly horrific. And I don't... You know, this whole thing about the gig economy and some hipster sort of a little sheen they want to put on it, it's, it's not that. It's just straight up exploitation and... We shouldn't accept it. Yep, it needs to end. Yep. Okay, so how can people kind of read your article? My work is on medium.com. My handle that they'll find it under is asher underscore wolf. So it's A-S-H-E-R underscore W-O-L-F. And they can read it on medium under that handle. Thank you for speaking to us today, Asher. Thank you.
And you're indeed listening to 3CR on our May Day special. And this is Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. Just a little bit of information here. The bicycle. Shortly after the year 1900, travellers in Outback Australia noticed a queer contraption. Something like an overloaded towel horse, as one rider put it. Writer, I should say. Appearing on the country roads. A canvas roll shaped like a horse collar was draped over the front of it and a similar one over the back while in between was a triangular canvas bag. Even these bulky appendages were partially covered by a billy can, pankin, water bag and other odds and ends. The travellers used to notice these noticed that hundreds and hundreds of these newfangled machines were strung out along the roads, each, of course, ridden by a man and draped with the same canvas swags and water bags. It was not a cycling race. It was simply the shearers of Outback Australia had seized upon a new invention to carry their baggage and were making full use of it. The bicycle has spread through the country as fast as the rabbit said one Australian writer in 1909. A bit of an unfortunate analogy, but it's, uh, it's interesting to know that uh, riding for transport is nothing new in Australia. And uh, this article, which is uh, from 1945, goes on to say, if the bicycle had the, those advantages as early as 1875, we can see why the much-improved machine was seized upon by the Australian shearers after 1900. Shearers often had to make long trips between the huge sheep stations of those days and they earned nothing while they were on the road. So the bicycle partially displaced the horse in the Australian outback between 1900 and 1920 when the development of the motor car in its turn, begin to make the bicycle out of date. Well, the bicycle's back in date. It's actually very fashionable to get around by bicycle in the inner suburbs and the rest of Melbourne because it's not simply, I think the bicycle is one of the most unitarian things you can get around on. But unfortunately, in our modern contemporary thing, the bicycle has become quite, uh, well, I'm going to say it because it's Sarah M, the new bicycle mayor of Melbourne, or sorry, (laughs) We haven't got Bicycle Mayor of Melbourne yet. Bicycle Mayor of Sydney said in a previous show last week that Bicycle was quite male and white. But I'm seeing more and more and more and more women, people of colour, people of very diverse backgrounds using the bike. I mean, I know from uh, personal experience there was uh, people in my family who used to ride to their place of work prior uh, to cars becoming more fashionable um, after World War Two, and getting into what I was talking about earlier, Mac Robinson used to have a bicycle school at his uh, factory in Fitzroy, and I'll just read a little bit of that. Mac Robinson's first bicycle purchase was a tricycle bought in the early years of his business in order to help him cover more ground while selling his sugar toys. As did his fortune increase, so did his interest in cycling. Mac Robinson's love of cycling was evident in the number of bicycles, bicycle images that made it the way onto his confectionery, advertising and particular promotions for chewing gum. A print advertisement that appeared in the Australian Wheelman in 1898 showed a female cyclist fitted out in the latest cycling fashion. And the ad boasted that the gums is specifically prepared for cyclists and athletes. Other advertisements for chewing gum stated that it could be used to repair tyre punches in an emergency. 
Hmm, that sounds like bush mechanics stuff, which uh, I think some of the overlanders and the um, indie pack sort of people would be quite familiar with if you're into endurance cycling, trying to find something that's going to get you there. And getting back to Mac Robinson, he also used testimonials from professional cyclists of the day, such as Porter, Warren and Martin, to promote his product. A ditty that appeared in the Australian Cyclist entitled The the Psalm of Scorching was a product placement disguised as a public safety warning. It contained a safety message to Scorchers, a type of fast and risk-taking rider who terrorised pedestrians and displayed hoonish behaviour. Oh, you know, that's according to people of the day. And the verse outlined the dangers of riding and cautioned riders to slow down. Mac Robinson's enthusiasm for cycling led him to importing and selling Monarch brand bicycles from America, and a bicycle department was soon established in a space adjoining the factory. And he followed this up by opening a cycling school run by Professor C.H. Eckenstein. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And the school's taught went well beyond road riding and included formation riding, military-style riding, musical riding, and cycling quadrilles. Cycling dancing. Mm. He even set up a publicity shot promoting bicycle wedding parties with a special side-by-side bicycle social for the bride and groom. Mac Robinson and his team of cyclists were in demand to perform these novelties displays at charity events and garden parties. So Melbourne has a long, long tradition. And unfortunately for Mac Robinson, his business got sold to a very large confectionery company, which uh, you could probably work out who it is, who now kind of have reduced portions and all the rest of it and um, aren't particularly renowned for some industrial practices. So it shows, it shows that May Day and the things around it of unity for labour, fight back on services and um, for services and education and working conditions and, you know, the things that happen in the production line for products, all these things are still incredibly relevant. So Mick Robinson was an example of an industrialist who uh, utilised cycling. Um, I suppose there might be some varying opinions on what he did for that, but uh, very interesting nonetheless. And that piece of information I got off Culture Victoria. Anyway, that's all I've got time for this week on Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. Regular programs should be back in um, at 11am with Black Block. And later in the day, don't forget, there's the May Day Rally at the State Library today. And that's from 5.30 to uh, 7.30. And I should do this, acknowledgement of country. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Boorong people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners and custodians of this land upon which we live and work. Sovereignty never ceded. I would like to pay my respect to the elders past and present of the Kulin Nation and extend that respect to other Indigenous Australians who may be listening to this live-to-air broadcast. Well, that's all I've got time for this week. Up next is Renegade Economist with a May Day special. And uh, Yarrabug Your Radio will be back on air Monday next week and our podcast should be up later today on 3CR. Have a happy May Day. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.